Hello, hello. I am Sam Basquez, and this is Fall Risk. Listeners, welcome back to another episode of Fall Risk. I am Sam Basquez, your host. And today on the podcast, we have the lovely Jen Holverson with us to talk about anything and everything skydiving. Say hello, Jen. Hello. Thanks for having me. Sorry, my voice is a little cracking, but <laughs> it's it's early morning. It's fall risk in the morning right now. So it's we're we're very we're both very much uh still waking up and, and trying to get our days going. So it's, it's good Great. to be here. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you. Um, all right. So first off, I just wanted to say thank you for coming on the show. You're amazing and you're super sweet to indulge me on this weird, like weirdo little project that I've started. Um, we have tons and tons of super awesome things to talk about. So I'm super excited to get started. You ready? I'm ready. Stoked to be here. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. So before we get into the nitty gritty details, um, let's get a little backstory on you, Jen. Uh, tell me about yourself. What's your story? Yeah, so I started skydiving in 2014, and you were actually one of my AFF instructors. <laughs> I remember, I remember. Um, where the friendship began. Um, <laughs> I basically took kind of a few years off after getting licensed because I went to college and was just a very, very casual skydiver. And then in 2019 is when I really got back into the sport, and I never really left it, but I really pushed hard and started getting my jump numbers up. And so I have about 750 jumps now. And most of those are in the last three years. So it's definitely been a busy time going to events and traveling and seeing a whole nother side of skydiving that I didn't know was possible, which we'll get into later. But um, yes, yeah, so I'm from Minnesota and born and raised here. I now go to Florida in the winter, which is fun for skydiving all year round. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I just, I absolutely love it. So, <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. So what do you do outside of skydiving, if you don't mind me asking? Yes. So I am a professional model and broadcaster and host. Um, that's what I've been doing for the past five years, pretty full time. And then just recently, I am now an analyst for Live Nation Entertainment. That's awesome. How's that job going anyway? It's really good. It's been great so far. It's only been a few weeks, so still very new, but the company's awesome. The team is awesome. Uh, yeah, no complaints. <laughs> That's awesome. That's super cool. Yeah. Okay, so you talked about uh, jumps, like your, your number of jumps. Um, you talked about how long you've been jumping for. Um, what made you want to skydive? Like, how did you make your first decision to try it? Yeah, so it's funny. I Okay, so I started when I was 18, and... Oh I man, guess. you and me both. We're like the one. We're like the at our drop zone at Skydive Twin Cities. I feel like there's a small number of people who are who are like started at 18 and are still going. Like, yes, well done. Like we are part of a very small crew of, of people. I think and I we're agree. Both it's awesome. Oh my god, it's so awesome. It's so awesome. Just young young kids, just fresh out of fresh into adulthood, mm -hmm. fresh out of high school. I was still oh, technically yeah. in high school when I started. I think. That's awesome. Man, I, I sometimes wonder how it would have been if I had still been in school when I started. Man, like, I would have been such an ego little, egotistical <laughs> little little prick at school. It would have been bad. I'm glad I was in, I was glad, I'm glad I'm not, I was out of high school when I started. Anyway, uh, continue. Yeah. Sorry. No, you're Sorry. good. It's, it's funny because I guess I was, I had a week or two left, but I was already doing PSEO. So I was already doing college classes. So I was technically done, but I hadn't, all my friends were still in high school and mm -hmm. so I was just waiting for high school graduation, <laughs> but I finished, I finished a few weeks early because I was on the college uh, schedule, timeline, calendar, whatever <laughs> words. Because you're better. That's because you're better <laughs> than so everyone. Much better. It's so much better. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I guess how I got into it, what drove me to start studying was that I think I was around 10 years old or something. And I don't remember what I was doing, but I just remember thinking when I turn 18, it'd be so cool to get into an like a extreme sport. And I started going through all the different ones. And I said, well, bungee jumping, I don't really think is a sport. And it kind of freaks me out a little bit. What if the bungee cord is too long? Or I don't know, I didn't know anything about I didn't know anything about any of them. But and then I was like, well, dirt biking, you have to get a motorcycle and that whole license. I looked into getting <laughs> motorcycle license actually when I was 18 too, and looked into buying a motorcycle. My parents don't know do that. all these things. Still do that. <laughs> considering that too um 
And then, yeah, around 10 or 11 years old. And then I'm like, well, scuba diving, you have to be by the ocean. And the ocean kind of freaks me out because you don't know what's below you. So I don't really want to do that all the time. Probably tried a few times. <laughs> and then skydiving, I just kind of was like, well, that sounds awesome. Still didn't even realize it was a sport, actually, at this point. I was just like, yeah, I'm going to go skydive when I turn 18. So it was decided. And then <laughs> when I actually turned 18, it was the winter. And... um I worked a modeling job actually with Jason Christensen, also known as Zoolander. He, man, haven't seen that guy in a while. I see his updates on like Instagram and stuff, but that's, man, I haven't talked to that guy in a long time. I yeah. hope he's doing well. Jason Christensen, if you're listening, shout out to you. I hope you're, shout hope you're out doing to well, Zoolander. <laughs> and that's how we met. Yeah. So yeah. it was great. He, uh, I saw that he posted about it and it was the winter and I, had just worked with him and I was like, Hey, and so he kind of enlightened me on the fact that you could do a tandem or you could go right into AFF. And I just thought about it for about a week. And I'm like, you know what, we're going to go right into AFF because why not? <laughs> right. Why not? Full tilt. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Drove myself out there Memorial day, 2014. My parents were out of town <laughs> and I was by myself and I just 8am was like, all right, we're you're, doing this. Your parents didn't know that you were going to do this? No. <laughs> oh, I bet your mom was so excited about that. Like when she find out, found out after the fact. I told her in a caribou because I figured a public place. She couldn't really <laughs> get fully mad at me. And she was even more mad that I pulled that move. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think so. My parents live in Baldwin. I did when I did my first jump. Um, or when I did my first like AFF jump, not my first tandem, but my first AFF jump, I uh, called her right beforehand. I was like, mom, I'm going to go up and do my first AFF jump. Like, I'll, I'll talk to you later. OK. And then they were there on the ground when I got when I got down and my mom was just shaking her head and being like, I thought you weren't going to skydive, Samantha. And I was like, oh, <laughs> when the full name is pulled out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she's the only one that's allowed to use it. And it's not like nails on a chalkboard, you know, like she's the only one that's like allowed to use it and I can't do anything about it. Yeah. So <laughs> I love it. Uh, I love awesome. It. OK, so do you have any instructor ratings? No. Why not? I don't know. I think it's I toyed with the idea uh, to get my coach rating. And I think part of it is I I wasn't super current in the sport and going hard on it until um, until, you know, about three years ago. And so I just and then once I did start getting more into it, I started traveling pretty quickly after that. And I just mm -hmm. I wasn't around um, all the time and my priorities quickly turned into big ways. And I just wanted to focus all my attention on that, which was such a huge goal that you know, bringing anything else into it, like a rating and trying to focus on that, just maybe I still will at some point, but now that that's kind of relaxing, chilling out a little bit, you know, we're kind of mm -hmm. just the big way years, but um, yeah, it was just too much to try and, okay, get really good at big ways and travel and then try and get a rating. And so I've always considered it, but the timing just hasn't been right. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I understand. I mean, you would be really good, especially at like AFF, like talking to people, you know, making Thank people you. feel good. Like you would do, you would do, I mean, half the battle with AFF, you know, is, is, um, being able to calm people down, mm -hmm. you know, and being able to like talk them through stressful situations. Mm -hmm. So like, I feel like you'd be really good at that. You know, if you ever well, gave it a shot. Thank you. Maybe, maybe I'll consider it in a few years. <laughs> AFF instructor Jen, you know, coming at you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what is your current wing? What are you flying? I'm currently on a Sabre 3107. Yeah. How do you like it? I love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, it's my colors. It's my first <sighs> canopy that I got to design, which I never thought I would do that. There's so many things in this sport that you get to the point and you're just like, I never thought I'd be in this position, you know? Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So, I get it. I totally get it. That was really fun. And I just, the openings are amazing. I've never had more on heading openings consistently than with the Sabre 3. Okay. And I just, I love that it's, it's sporty and it's zippy, but it's still a pretty conservative canopy compared to going, you know, sub 100 or cross braced, uh, 
not quite there yet for my canopy Mm -hmm. skills, but just, I love that it's a really good intro wing to, if you did want to start learning how to swoop or, um, doing more canopy maneuvers, just, you know, before you get into your pattern. And so, yeah, I don't know. I like the range that it has and it's just been a really, really fun wing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, I don't have a ton of experience on a Sabre 3. I rocked a Sabre 2 for like, mm-hmm. or a several Sabre 2s, I guess, for a long time. But this was Same. years and years and years ago. Yeah. Um, so you switched from a Sabre 2 to a Sabre 3. Like, mm-hmm. is it zippier? Like, in your opinion, like, does it maneuver around faster? Yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah okay. I, I definitely think it's zippier. I definitely think... Um, yeah, I just, the technology, it's just more fun to fly. I mean, the Sabre 2, I love a Sabre 2. I jumped those for years too. Um, but yeah, it definitely feels like a sportier wing. Okay. But I feel like now that I've, I've taken several canopy courses and I've been pretty slow at my downsizing and mm-hmm. um, and all of that, that it's it's a really fun canopy to fly now where I have more experience. Mm-hmm. And it's just, um, it's consistent. And I, I love feeling like I can, I was on a Sapphire three last year. Your black one, right? My black one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that was my first time going to Icarus and trying that out. And I wasn't sure I didn't want to go to a crossfire. Well, I thought about going to crossfire, but I was like, I don't know, maybe it's too zippy for me and too sporty. I'm not sure. Used to the saber too. And I go to the Sapphire and I was like, Oh yeah, you're going to love it. It's super chill. It was so flat. I have never been so bored under canopy and I never, I've been so conservative that it never occurred to me that I, I liked having something a little bit more sporty and zippy and, you know, Mm -hmm. that responds quickly to your inputs. And Sapphire was just like, is it responding? Is it responding? And it wasn't, it was a 119. It wasn't a big canopy. Mm -hmm. And and then, you know, I, I went back to a Sabre tube while I was waiting for my Sabre three. And it's just the difference was like, yeah. And then the Sabre 3 was just even better because, you know, the openings were even better and it was even more responsive and even more like, mm-hmm. I don't know, just super fun to fly. And so, yeah, it's just interesting to finally have that comparison and really, really notice it mm-hmm. and just go. And I also hated the Sapphires are like a one-step landing. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, like a stab. It, you stab it out every time. You stab it. And I hated that. I love the two-step where you can go and kind of glide a little and then finish your flare mm-hmm. and glide I just I don't know I prefer that That's awesome so. <laughs> do you remember your first jump yes can you tell me what it was like yes uh it was very fast and <laughs> <laughs> it was very fast and all I remember well I do remember quite a bit of it but I had John Polk as my main AFFI, and then I had Adam Yelly, I believe, was on the other side. Hmm. Yeah, and um, I was told to relax, <laughs> <laughs> and I was told, I think it was mainly relax, and I think straighten my legs a little bit. I got this signal, and then the relax okay. signal, which I think it was a different sign, but I... I kept doing, oh yeah, it was that, but I kept wanting to do the, yeah, you can't see this on the podcast, but <laughs> we, I'm doing we, the... we can't see this at all, but uh, in the tunnel, the the cowabunga, you know, um, sign or like uh, the sign language Y sign is usually the, the signal for relaxing. And in the sky, it's more of like just shaking your hand at each other. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> it's, but it's like just relax relax yeah. <laughs> but it's funny because I kept screwing up and wanted to do this for relax every yeah. time John told me to relax and so by the time we actually got to my first jump after doing the the course on the ground he, he did this for me oh <laughs> he did the cowabunga sign to relax it was yep. great so yeah and then I just was checking my altimeter I was super altitude aware <laughs> And did my test touches on my my toggle or my what is the orange thing called? Ripcord. Ripcord. Yeah. It's been a long time. Our our rigs, like the rigs at Skydive Twin Cities are set up a little differently than most drop zones. Um we have a, a single handle SOS system um with a ripcord with a spring loaded pilot chute. So when she talks about a ripcord, that's what she means. She doesn't mean a pilot chute. For anyone that's listening, any skydivers that are listening who are not 
native to skydive twin cities like that process is a little bit different um i can go into great length about why it's different <laughs> um but uh but yeah that's that's the situation she's talking about an orange ripcord handle anyway continue sorry yes so i did my no you're good i'm glad you explained that <laughs> i was like i haven't used that in a really long time <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i did my touches and then just by that time you know you're pulling at 6500 you know pretty high and I think I don't know if it was my first jump or my second jump I had line twists and I remember it's funny you know you don't think you're gonna have a malfunction that soon and it's a very minor malfunction on that big of a canopy you know like a 260 mm -hmm. or whatever it was but uh, your adrenaline kicks in and you're like, not today. And I just pulled them apart immediately. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh, I remembered one of the safety steps already. <laughs> Saved my own life. Whew. <laughs> I was really stoked about it. I'm like, wow, okay. I didn't know I retained that much, but cool. Yeah. And then, yeah, it was great. Had the radio, stood up my first landing. Still super proud of that. And um, I remember my first jump very well, actually. That whole day was great. <laughs> That's super cool. That's yeah. awesome. Not a lot of people remember them, to be honest. Like, I don't remember my first tandem. Really? You know? Um, I mean, I remember bits and pieces of it, but I don't remember, like, I don't remember the whole the whole thing from start to finish, you know? Um, I don't even remember my first AFF jumps either, like, really? to be honest. Like, the one I do remember is my... And it's because I've messed up. Like, that's why I remember it is the one with John. I think I've told you this story before, but like my E2, I think is the first is like the one I can really clearly remember. Um, I'd done E1 and E2 back to back. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, our hand signal for pull, right? Looks like this, right? Mm -hmm. looks like a closed fist. Everywhere else, it's a pointed finger. But like at, at Skydive Twin Cities, it's it's this one, right? Okay. Um, and it was E2, right? Like, I had just done E1, E2. Like, E1 went great. E2 went fantastic. I finished everything I was supposed to do on that jump. Like, the back flip, the front flip, like, the barrel roll, like, the turns, the tracking, all that, right? I had finished it at, like, 7,000 feet. And it was the last load of the day. So, it was, it was like, just before sunset. And um, John looks at me. John Bushko, he looks at me and he smiles. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. And I fist bumped him. <laughs> And like, he starts laughing in free fall and I'm like, cool, this is awesome. Right. I land, I walk in and like the first thing he says to me, he's like, so what does this hand signal mean? And I'm like, oh no, <laughs> like, oh no. That's such a good story. I've never heard I, that. I can't believe I fist bumped you. It means pull. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I had never been given that hand signal like ever in any of my, any of my jumps and it was going so well and I knew I had aced it and I was like altitude aware. I knew I had aced it and he was smiling when he did it. We were face to face when it happened and I was like, yeah, fist bump. Like this is so great. And then I was like, um, I failed that jump, didn't I? He's like, no, you passed. Like you were fine. Like we were just really far out and I wanted you to pull just in case you wouldn't make it back. I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. I'm like, learn that lesson. Don't, don't fist bump people. This means pull. <laughs> like, that is so funny. Well, and Bushko too. Everyone's sky dad. I dubbed him that my first year. He's... Oh yeah. I remember you guys, you guys had a really good relationship right off the back when you first, first started short. I think he saw a lot of Izzy in you, you know, yeah. when, when you first started, cause you were so much younger than a lot of the folks that were coming in, even, even yeah. than me at that point, like. I'd already been there for like three or four years and I was one of the youngest people on the drop zone at that point too. And like, mm -hmm. I think he saw a lot of Izzy in you kind of took yeah. you under his wing. Cause we're only a few years apart. I think we're, yeah. Mm -hmm. Izzy's not that much younger than me. So mm -hmm. I think it was just like, Oh, my drop zone daughter, you know, he sent me yeah. he and Dinger and April Seifert sent me a care package at college after, after that season. Yeah. Which was super, super sweet. And, um, yeah, he, he made a Scout of Twin Cities design that I kept mm -hmm. harping him about. I was like, Bushko, I mean, this design is so cool, but you don't have it in a cute girl version shirt. You know, we need this more <laughs> fitted, but this design, he made one shirt for me and sent That's it awesome. in the care package. And I was just like, I still have it somewhere. <laughs> That's super cool. Good yeah. job. That's, oh, that's so nice. That's awesome. I know. I know. I just really, a lot of good memories. He was also the one instructor that made me feel the most relaxed and calm mm -hmm. during my AFF, um, it, which is cool that you talked about that as mm -hmm. 
as I don't think you were ever you were never my main instructor for AFF. You were you were my like uh, yeah. on my C jump. That was that was right around when I was first starting with my AFF instructor training okay. too. So I was giving I was defect like basically you know uh, letting my mentors like with John Polk and Lunder and yeah. uh, you know Porta and whatnot. Like I was letting them kind of yeah. kind of handle it. Um, and when we had like a when we had an opportunity for me to have a little bit more time to like invest into it and everything, like they would say like, you take me inside this time, like blah, 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 you know, like, Got so, it. Um, so I was definitely sitting on like the, the back burner a little bit in terms of teaching at that point. Cause it was still super, super new. You know? Sure. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Can you like, can you talk about, do you have a favorite jump at all? Can you talk about that? Do you have one that sticks out in your mind? Oh, that or maybe a couple of jumps hard well okay I don't want to I thought about this last night and I just I don't know if it's like my all-time but it's definitely up there and I don't mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to say it because it just happened and it's like oh well that just happened so blah 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 yeah but it was pretty cool so this last weekend I was and I keep kind of like going into different categories we're gonna talk about later but it's all right this last weekend, I went to Scat of Paris, and I was doing a big way women's California state record, and we were going for a 29-way, and it was the last day. It was Sunday. It was the last jump before some people had to start leaving for the airport, and we were so close on every single jump. It was just like, okay, come on, guys. Like, let's get it, mm-hmm. and we got it, and we flew it for, like, 10 seconds I mean <laughs> a 29 way just calmly flying for ever I have never I've been on some other records I've never been on one that you were just everyone was hanging out flying super smooth looking at your cross partner just go smiling and we're just all looking around like we got this and we more than got it this isn't one yeah. frame this is like half the skydive yeah. we have this record and i i got chills during the skydive i got chills when i got down everyone was cheering it was so obvious that we got it and then when we watched mm-hmm. the video we're all like how long did we hold that i mean it was forever and i think that obviously that was very recent but it it still i think is going to be one of my favorite jumps moving forward because Flying something that, you know, it's hard to do. It's hard to get that many people together. It's a two-plane formation. It's, you know, mm-hmm. this whole this whole process. And to get 29 women together and make it happen and just fly it for that long where no one's struggling. There's no tension. It was just chill. And, I mean, I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it again. I mean, it was just, <laughs> it was so cool. And I'd also never been a part of a full women's way that big yeah. I've been like part of smaller jumps you know we've done some eight ways at Scatter Twin Cities with all chicks which are super fun and yep. and different things like that but being a part of that size all women just it's a different vibe it's a different mm-hmm. uh and I, I love jumping with the guys don't get me wrong also very fun but it was just a totally different energy that was there and mm-hmm. experience and it was really cool so that's that's on that's a very recent memory but also it's definitely in the top top few of my favorite jumps that that I would say I have. oh yeah it's pretty cool it's pretty unique too you know like how often does that happen you know where there's I mean I would be overwhelmed if 30 people were suddenly here you know so that's like a <laughs> lot of people you know what I mean like 30 yeah. is a lot and suddenly 30 women you know yeah. like do we even have 30 women active jumpers at our drop zone right now? You know what I mean? I like, don't even know. It's pretty, it's pretty special when stuff like that happens, you know, because there's so few, you know, like female shredders out there. You right. know what I mean? In, in comparison, like just in care, like, re, like ratio wise to men, like right. it's pretty special when stuff like that happens. I think I did one to like a belly record um, mm-hmm. like in 2012. 2011 maybe yeah. um at, at twin cities the yeah like it, photos. oh man it's been a long time um i look so young in that photo I love uh, those photos. <laughs> uh but yeah so like it was a that was that's one that sticks out for me too as well as that jump and it was the quietest because it was in it was in october mm. um and it was the coldest day 
of the year at that point. And so like it, uh, we all were like super bundled up. I had like two layers on underneath my helmet. So I had like a, a head wrap and then my hoodie all yeah. the way up with my Rawa helmet, like <laughs> cinched down super tight on my head. And it was the quietest jump I think I've ever been on. Like you got out and I couldn't hear anything. It was just like focusing right. It was so weird because like you can normally hear stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can hear like the wind um, rushing past your ears. Even when you're wearing a super tight helmet, you can still hear it. Mm -hmm. And like quietest, most focused jump. It all like went boom, boom, boom. All of the, all the female flyers were like super shredders on their bellies. Mm -hmm. You know, half of the formation was instructors too, you Mm -hmm. know? So it was just like, it just came together super fast. I, I, I remember like all women, super cool. Like the only thing that probably would have made it better is having a female camera flyer on it too as well. Same. (laughs) I mean, I think that's my goal. I mean, not to not to talk talk about like me for too long here, but uh, I think that's my my end goal is to be up on the ranks of like super good female f- camera flyers. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So that I can participate in stuff like this, and we can have an actual all women's you know record. I don't totally, know. totally, I agree. No, I think it'd be awesome. I mean, it's there's so many good guy camera flyers out there that that's sort of the natural. You know, it's so hard to just get that many women to to get a women's way, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then to get a camera flyer on top of it, it's just like a whole nother thing. And so mm-hmm. I, I agree. We actually had a female pilot on That's one of the planes awesome. too, which was super cool. And yeah, yeah uh, the trail plane was all females on, on one That's of the jumps cool. or a couple of the jumps because we were, we weren't full on that plane. So there was usually mm-hmm. some like tandems and stuff on it too, but um, there was a couple towards the end of the day that it was the female pilot and then it was just our crew mm-hmm. following the lead plane. And we're like, it's a full plane of women. What? That's awesome. That's super cool. That's, yeah. oh, man. I got goosebumps hearing oh. about your women's way too. It's just, it's, I don't know. I mean, it's, people can say all kinds of different things about it. The guys are just jealous. and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's just a really, it's just, it's really cool. And it's really special. And I mean, I feel like the, the women I've met in the sport are some of my closest friends in real life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like we've, yep. we've been friends for, for I mean, you're one of my oldest friends. I start thinking about how long I've known some of the women in the sport. I'm like, well, I've known you almost as long as some of my other mm-hmm. close friends that aren't in skydiving, you know? It's been like a decade already. Yeah. And it's just, it's cool how, I just love how the sport brings so many people together. It's mm-hmm. just a really special community. I would say that that's probably true too. Um, like the more I think about who my closest friends are in this sport, like it's definitely, it's de- like they're, they're people that I've known for decades and even some of them not, not as long, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like the people I'm the closest to are definitely the women, which is weird because when I was younger, like that wasn't. Mm-hmm the case you know like I didn't have a lot of really close female friends and now we've I've made the shift and I don't know yeah I don't know what the deal I don't know when it happened or why it happened but suddenly it's like the people I'm closest to are definitely the other women around me well, you know I totally agree and I think it's interesting because you know I've always had a lot of guy friends growing up I was a tomboy I had girlfriends too but you know, growing mm-hmm. up with brothers being super involved in sports my whole life I was a tomboy for a long time before I got into modeling and everything but I still had that tomboy side mm-hmm. where one of the reasons I, I love skydiving is you know you go to a drop zone and you're just like you know all weekend last weekend I wore no makeup and I just like <laughs> hair and hair in your helmet you don't care and no one cares and because you're you're doing a sport right and yeah and then I, I've thought about this a lot actually and so many women that are in the sport and that have really gotten into it where they've been in it for a long time sort of have a little bit of that tomboy side mm-hmm. because otherwise you probably wouldn't have gotten into skydiving. You, you know what I mean? And it, we still all yeah. have like our girliness too. That's not like not there, but I've just noticed that a lot of the women in the sport are kind of the, remind me of the girls I was really good friends with on my sports teams. Mm-hmm. And it's just interesting how you, yeah. you kind of share common, uh, I don't know common traits on how you mm-hmm. how you go about being competitive or if you're <laughs> gonna try and get really good in the sport it's a commitment you mm-hmm. know 
and yeah, so I don't know you shared a lot of the same same motivations, I feel like. So this is kind of a weird question, right? And people don't normally get asked this one. Like, but do you have any pet peeves about jumping? Hmm, pet peeves. Like anything that annoys you? Like from for like what other people do? I mean, it could be something about skydiving, it could be something about the the culture, you know? It could be I mean, like we all know why we love it. Yeah. You know? Um do you have anything that like you maybe wish was a little different or maybe I mean just about skydiving in general you've been to a lot of different drop zones Mm -hmm. you know you've seen a lot of different uh business models Mm -hmm. you know operate right Mm -hmm. um you've seen different types of cultures at different drop zones like the big drop zones and the smaller drop zones Mm -hmm. right um I think it would be kind of interesting like to hear about if there's something out there that kind of just throws you a little bit I mean if you don't have an answer that's totally fine you know we can cut this we can cut this uh question all together but um just kind of curious like you know is there something out we should something out there we should maybe change or or maybe um it's just a little bothersome I think I get a little annoyed when I feel like no one's looking out for new people Mm-hmm. in the sense of you know safety and kind of like what are you doing and because when I was new I felt like I always had people looking out for me and I always had resources to be like hey this is what I'm thinking blah 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 and so I feel like when you're newer and if you you're just kind of winging it mm-hmm. and that's not that's at a lot of drop zones you know I just don't like it because I uh, I guess I have, okay, with that, I have a better one. You know, I, I hate when people do solos once you're licensed okay. because, and I know it can be hard sometimes, but I made a point after I got my A license and I, it was like one of my first jumps after get it wasn't my very first one, but it was one of my first ones after getting a license where I was like, I'm going to go do a solo because I can and. It's so exciting. And it was so boring. I was so bored. (laughs) I did some flips. I was the last one out. It was sunset. I watched the plane dive and like, it was cool. It was pretty, but, and I remember it, but I just still remember being like, I'm just up here alone, like cool. And I remember thinking, I never want to do another solo ever. Like if I can find at least one other person to jump with me, I'm going to make a point to do that. And so even when I started uh, you know, I'm pretty independent whenever I tried to get gotten to the sport on my by myself. So I was like, all right, we're going to get gear. We're going to go try other drop zones, see how it is there. I was always going up and asking people that I didn't know. Even my first time at Paris, that was, uh, which is actually cool that I was just there. And I did that record because my very first drop mm. zone, not at Scattered Twin Cities as a new jumper was at Scattered Paris yeah. years ago. And I remember going into the loading area, not knowing anyone, trying to talk to whoever and being like, Everyone's like, oh, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm a solo, but I'd rather not be. Like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and there was another guy who was doing a solo and he was like, we can do a two-way. And from there, we ended up eventually, you know, we were just doing belly. So we ended up getting involved with the belly organizer because they're like, hey, like, do you guys want to jump with us after the first jump we did? And um, and so then I I I learned a lot from that, you mm-hmm. know. And just having a reference point, having someone else to just, you know, jump with, no matter what you're doing. Yeah. And so I think one of my biggest pet peeves, I would say, is people doing solos. Yeah. That's actually, so, so you, you just made the comment of like how you, like how you introduced yourself to people in the loading area. That is actually like a great way to do it too. You said, you said, I'm doing a solo, but I would really rather not. Solo looking to build. (laughs) Like, and, and that's a, that's a great way to say it to people. Like if I had more students, like when I was a tandem instructor or asking people, or like if I was a tandem on, on the plane or something, and I asked like a, a student, like, Hey, what are you doing? You know? And like they they say a belly solo, like follow it up with something like that. Cause I would bet money. People are going to be like, Oh, well you can come with us. Like come, come with us. You know, like right. I'm, I'm not doing anything. Come with me. You know, um, right. that's, um, that's super, that's a catchy way to do it. I like that. That's fine. Thanks. <laughs> no, it's it's definitely going to get people's attention, you know, like that that kind of statement. 
you know? Yeah. Um, and you learn so much because when you're new, pretty much everyone's better than you. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. everyone has something to, to give you no matter what that is, no matter what their background is or how long they've been or whatever, they probably know something more than you do. And you never know what you're going to learn. And so I feel like I've picked up all these little tidbits over the years and that's, you know, where they, we all get experienced that way. I think that's just part of learning and growing, but um, yeah, I just made it my mission. I'm like, I refuse to do a solo because it is boring. (laughs) I hear you. I go out and do them now. Like, um, the last time I did it was like on an AFF jump that decided not to go or for, for whatever reason, couldn't go. I don't remember if it was like a couldn't go or didn't want to go or, or refused or what, but, um, I got the, the fun end of the rock, paper, scissors that the instructors play in the plane, like who gets to go, who gets to stay kind of thing. Um, and I got to go and do like a sit head down solo. And I was like, this is boring as fuck why did I do this I should have just ridden the plane down this is dumb (laughs) this is so stupid now I gotta pack I was just gonna say now I have to pack (laughs) right so I get it like solos are boring you know like they can be fun depending on what you're doing if it's for a specific reason you know I can't think of any right now but (laughs) I'm not I'm not dissing it all together but you're right it is kind of a waste you know, a waste of money and it's kind of a waste of time and you could be doing more, yeah. learning more. Yeah. And I just feel like no matter who that other person is, is you have at least one buddy that'll go with you to give you mm-hmm. even just a reference, even if you guys can't wear GoPros yet or whatever. I mean, they're going to remember kind of how you did. You're going to remember kind of how they did. You're going to get to mm-hmm. hang out with your friend or meet new friends that way. Met a lot of people mm-hmm. I wouldn't have met if uh, I wasn't just like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Right. Can I come? Yep. Yeah, you got to kind of be, um. I don't want to say obnoxious, but you kind of got to go a little bit farther out of where your comfort zone is and put yourself out there, you know. Um, that's hard for a lot of people, though. You know, like you're super outgoing, you know, and you're super, um, I would say, extroverted, you yeah. know, like very just social, social butterfly, mm-hmm. you know, kind of. From my perspective, at least, you tell me if you think I'm wrong, but yeah, I am. <laughs> um, it's very, it's very easy for you to talk to people. So it is like, I empathize with people who are a little bit more intimidated, you know, mm-hmm. um, but because Sonny is in the background shaking and like trying to like rub it, rub his whole body up against my uh, mic. And it's like, Sonny, no, <laughs> I'm, like holding him back <laughs> behind my, behind my chair really quick. Um, anyway, sorry, Sonny, Sonny is, doesn't understand uh what's going on either um he's my dog he he doesn't understand because i'm just talking like to open air <laughs> he can't see anything so he's like what are you doing who are Pay you talking to me to? please <laughs> right like he can't hear your voice because i got headphones in and he's just like uh mom like can you pay attention to me, please? He'll go over and hit random buttons over there like while i'm talking and thank god like the mic can't hit it like pick so it up funny. anyway all right so let's talk big ways mm-hmm yeah, so you're getting really into big way free fly jumps these days. Mm-hmm. Um, how'd you get into that? What was your first jump like? Yeah, so with the head down big ways, uh, it really started with our camp when we went to mm-hmm. Deland back in 2019. And so Sam and I went to one of the last phase one camps of Project 19. And Project 19 is the women's vertical world record that was supposed to be in 2020 but of course got postponed because of covid and it was Mm -hmm. called project 19 because uh they're celebrating the 19th amendment and a hundred years after in 2020 a hundred years after it was the uh women got the right to vote and so the 19th amendment project 19 and so they're going for 100 way now it's later going for 102 way um because we had to postpone it and uh, so, yeah, so Sam and I went to DeLand as one of those camps they were putting on to train for it. And I was a super new head down flyer at that point. And but you uh, it was more it, of an exposure way. camp for me. It wasn't really with the intent to get on the record because I was nowhere near ready, but more of, all right, I've never been to a camp at all for any discipline. Um, I haven't traveled for a camp or an event before like this. Um it was just all very, very new. There was a lot of terms used that I'd never heard before. And yeah, so it was a 15-way. 
out of is an otter there i think it's an otter the caravan yeah they i think they have both i think they have both don't quote me on that yeah don't quote me on that (laughs) i'm always like uh so so we went and i i got a call from sharon a few days before we were leaving because i had sub 200 jobs and she's like all right so you're signed up for this you have way less experience than anyone else coming uh we just want to make sure you're safe all of this and i've been doing a lot of two and three ways leading up to the Mm -hmm. camp to make sure that i could break off safely that i wasn't going to you know hit someone in the air that i was you know heads up enough to be safe right we show up and um yeah that's what it was and it was was an exposure camp I didn't dock I just tried to get as close as I could I was learning how to exit the plane in different positions diving out of the back floating outside the front just dropping off and if you're an angle flyer it's essentially the same exit you would do if you're doing a belly angle exit is diving or a back angle exit is essentially floating for big ways Mm -hmm. um but anyway, so yeah, that was my first exposure to it. It was very frustrating. The first four jumps, we got weathered out the first day. And then the first four jumps, I was the last diver because I was always farthest out on the formation because I probably wasn't going to get there. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I didn't know what would be easier, harder. Floating is definitely a little bit easier when you're learning. Mm-hmm. Um, but I started diving, so I never got close to the formation <laughs> by the time I got on the plane. I'm like, I don't know how to do this. Um, and then floating, I was, I was actually there, but I was being mm-hmm. very, very cautious because again, I was super new. So it was an amazing, amazing camp to an amazing environment too. everyone was super positive, super, you know, uplifting of, you know, where I'm at everyone there was a lot more experienced and so it was just like oh it'd be so cool to get to that point at some point and anyway um when they when COVID happened and they ended up postponing the whole record mm-hmm. uh I I kind of go and I could be ready for this thing I could actually mm-hmm. go to enough events work hard and get good enough to be on it now and I got postponed a year and then postponed two years And so that was sort of the fire got lit and I Mm -hmm. saw a challenge and I saw a goal to be achieved and I'm like, all right, let's go for it. And I talked to different people that Chazzy, you know, she Mm kind of saw my progression. She'd see me every six months at events or so, or every few months. And she's like, you should totally go for it. You you're excelling really quickly. If you keep on this progression, you'll be ready so hearing stuff like that from someone like Chazzy, who's been on world records, who is one of the organizers, you know, it just, um, it was very motivating too, to kind of have that reassurance. And that's sort of how I started getting, that's exactly how I got into big way head down flying. And just that became the goal, the women's vertical yeah. world record, you know, and took off from there lots of camps lots of boogies lots of events going all over the place trying to get ready the last Mm -hmm. few years and yeah so what are um what are the jumps like like mentally what are they like how do you prepare yourself for them so I try to be I try to find a way to be as relaxed as possible um because it's a Cause it's a lot of like anxiety leading up to it. Right. Like, it's like, am I going to do this? Like, what if I mess up? What if I do this? You right. know, like you got that voice in the back of your head. So as someone who's done it, like I, those are the things that run through my mind beforehand. Like, what if I mess up? What if I get kicked off this jump? Like, yeah. oh my God, it's really stressful. And I think that goes through everyone's head at some point in the preparation, like in the process of getting ready to go on a jump, everyone's a little bit going, Hey, I got to do my job. Hope I don't mess up. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It is a mental game for sure. And it's I I can't say I've always had a strong mental game on every jump, but I feel like as I've gone through this process, it's gotten stronger because of yeah. my experience and being like, I know I know I can get there. And this last weekend at the California record, I'd never felt more relaxed during a record weekend, which was awesome. And cool. yeah, and it was part of it was I go. I started thinking about anywhere they'd put me in the plane. Mm-hmm. Okay. Part of it. That's the first step. Am I going to screw up my exit? Do you like your spot in the plane? Um, and I ended up, I was in the trail plane at first. 
being a floater. And then I got switched to the lead plane as a last diver. Um, I had both extremes of exits that I had to do, right? Floating is a little bit more, you wait for the formation to come to you. You wait for, or you wait for the base to speed up with you. And diving is you have to be super aggressive because you're chasing the base to get to it. And so it was two extremes and both of them, I felt super calm. And I started thinking about that. I'm like, well, why? And I said, at this point, I've done all these different exits at some point and I've done them successfully. And so it was really cool to finally feel like I could go into a position and go, it doesn't really matter where they put me because I've done this exit before and feeling that confidence. And then mm-hmm. also feeling the confidence of, I know I can get there quickly. I know I can get there quickly, safely. I know I can duck. I know I can be on level. I know I can do all these things. And so I had this confidence that just, I haven't always had, it's definitely been a growing process throughout the past few years and and it was such an amazing feeling going into it and going just I have the confidence and and that's the biggest thing you know confidence comes from currency and it comes from constantly working on your craft and and getting better and the more you are current and the more you work on something the more confident you're going to be in your abilities Mm -hmm. so that definitely relieved a lot of the pressure for me personally is just knowing I was more than capable of doing it I've done it do it again, you know? Yeah. Um, can you talk about why it's important to visualize, you know, before it's got up? So I just like want to point something out really quick. Like over the last couple of years <clears throat> while working in the sport or even just in the tunnel for that matter, um, I don't see too many people visualizing anymore. We used to see people when they were really heavy into four-way camps at our drop zone or four-way um, jumps, you used to see people just sitting and moving and like doing all those different docks. Um, You used to see them kind of doing that little dance, you know, they do at the very beginning when they're visualizing or dirt diving the skydive in their head. Mm -hmm. Um, Like AFF students always throw me kind of a weird look on cat C when I say, Hey, close your eyes, like in the plane. Like I'll I'll tell them like after they've done all of their, all of their stuff in the, in the plane, I'll be like, okay, last thing Mm -hmm. while I'm giving you your gear check, close your eyes and just run through the skydive one more time. And they're like, huh? I'm like, yeah, just do it. Like, I promise, like, just do it really quick. Um, so like, what is the importance? Like, why is it so much more important to visualize these skydives ahead of time Mm -hmm. versus not doing it at all? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because visualizing is definitely part of what I do on the plane ride up. And I think everybody does it if you have been in a big formation because it's easy to get lost Mm -hmm. uh, is is one of the main things uh, looking for. And that's also why we dirt dive so many times on the ground. And, you know, when you get to the point where you've had enough experience where you know what a formation will look like, then it is really, okay, what colors am I looking for? What side of the base am I docking on and what are those colors? And people still, I mean, on the general world record, on different state records, I mean, there's always someone who gets lost or a few people that get lost on a few of the jumps because they're just like, I I thought I was going here and they may dock on the wrong person because their colors look Mm -hmm. similar or I don't know. But it's really easy to do with that many people. And the more people you put in the sky, the easier it is to get lost, right? So visualizing also it's so good because you're you're mentally walking through everything you're about to do so yeah. it makes it also calms you down it calms me down because not only am I like okay I know I can do this but then walking through each step from I go all the way to when we if you're in the sky van when you stand up and you're like right red lights on and you're what are you doing to prepare before the before the green light comes on and you're actually yeah and if you're in the otter, you know, same kind of thing. What are your, what do you do to get ready? And so I, I start walking through and visualizing from that point. Cause that's when the adrenaline mm-hmm. starts kicking in. We're like, okay, it's about to happen. <laughs> yep. We're about to go for it. And then, okay, I go through green light, climbing out of the plane. What am I looking at? Who's in the door with me? Who am I referencing? At the beginning of the women's state record, I was in the trail plane. So I was staring at, not the lead plane. I was staring at the our our floater who was going to key us leave and that's who I was looking at so I'm walking through that and then you know I'm walking through the second I drop my hand from the plane and I exit and Mm -hmm. what is my body position what am I feeling and then you go into what am I looking at do I have a slight 
a slight carve because I'm on the other side. So I have to get mm -hmm. there. Yes, I do. So, okay, we're doing that. We're following in. Do I see who I'm docking on? Okay. Following them in, if I can, looking at the colors, looking at referencing the base, moving closer and then, okay, who's my cross partner? Let's get on level mm -hmm. and then move in and then dock. And then, mm -hmm. you know, but it doesn't stop there. Now we're flying it. Now we're trying to stay on level once we're docked and then break off. Ditters go off. Let's not hit anyone. Mm -hmm. Let's get clean airspace all the way through to pulling my canopy. But then even there it doesn't stop because you're like, okay, yeah. you're looking around before you pull. Am I clear? Or is there anyone, especially with big ways, there's always people everywhere. Yep. And you're like, okay, who's around me? Okay, I'm good. We're going to pull. And then when you open, immediately looking around you to make sure someone yeah. you didn't see isn't also open under canopy flying right at you. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, all the way through your pattern, flying that and then flying it into landing and making sure, you know, you're flying the pattern predictably so that everyone knows not like where you're going and you can stay clear of all the other canopies and everyone can get down safely. So it's really, mm -hmm. it's a whole process. It's not just flying the formation. It's not just, okay, I got under my canopy and I'm done. And when you do that, it just, your brain goes, okay. I know what we're doing and it registers mm -hmm. and it, it takes so much pressure off and it just alleviates anxiety and stress. And you're like, all right, I can breathe. I got this. Right. My brain knows what's about to happen. It's not a surprise. Yeah. So I think it's, yeah, it's really important. There's a lot of people that are way more experienced, way more OG in the sport that can give you probably a better lesson on visualizing, but that is it in a nutshell on why it, it's so important. And I just think everyone who gets into big ways is taught that whatever discipline oh, yeah. type big way. Yep. I mean, I think what you're like, you, you made some um, really good points. And then you talked about some more abstract concepts with visualizing. So you talked about how do I feel at any point during the skydive, right? Like, how am I supposed to be feeling when that happens? I mean, at a certain point, like, like to begin with, right, when you first start first start doing something new like a new discipline right like you don't necessarily know how you're supposed to be feeling at any point until you get it right like when you get it right you're like oh okay that's what it's supposed to feel like right mm -hmm. so when you're talking about like abstract visualization like that where you are like I'm feeling like this I'm doing this with my body to get to this next point in the skydive right like I know I have to tilt my shoulders exactly like this to carve to that spot you know when you're visualizing you're just doing it because you're not thinking about it you're just doing that automatic correction with your body mm -hmm. and you're planning on doing it you know so um you're gonna get to a certain point like to begin with visualizing might just look like step by step by step you know, pieces of information about like, I'm going to do this off the plane. I'm going to look for this person. I'm going to go to this level. I'm going to look for this next person and take the dock. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and then as you get more and more seasoned with it, mm -hmm. right. And you start to learn more about the craft and you start learning more about that specific jumps, then it becomes a little bit more abstract and bigger picture. And you can like visualize all the way through it without even thinking about what the next step is, right. you know? Um, and once you reach that point, it's like you're setting yourself up for every single piece that you're going to encounter on that, on that skydive so that there are no surprises, mm -hmm. you know, like there are no surprises. You know what you're supposed to be doing. You know what you're supposed to be visualizing. You know what you should be seeing, or at least if there are surprises, you're better prepared for it mm -hmm. because because you can react faster to it. Mm -hmm. You can handle it on the fly. You're better prepared, right? Like there's, there's a ton of good things that come out of visualizing. And I just feel like we don't see too many people doing it just on the day to day. Totally. Like if, if you want more success out of your skydive guys, and you want it to feel less like a zoo dive or less like you just kind of chased each other around the sky. Like mm -hmm. take a little bit of time in the plane to visualize through this jump or visual visualize through your jump like once or twice, mm -hmm. you know, especially towards the tail end of like the, the, um, the flight up or the plane ride up, like take a few moments to kind of just close your eyes, run through the jump bit by bit by bit. Mm -hmm. So you know what you're supposed to be doing, right? You're better, you're better setting yourself up. Um, right. And it, yeah, yeah, it, uh, last point on that, I guess, is just, I, I remember they had, they were trying to do things during COVID to prepare people still, even though we couldn't really mm -hmm. do events. And Dan BC from Paris did an awesome, with Sharon, I think, did an awesome webinar, uh, like Zoom call that you could 
tune into and yeah. he walked through a whole visualization uh you know and he had you close your eyes and he walked you through the entire thing and we'd watch videos and he's like okay now if I were this person I'd be doing this and it was so helpful I didn't realize how helpful it was until I'm like wow I really do that every time now and it it really yeah. helps it makes a difference moving on you've done a ton of tunnel flying mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. right how many hours do you think you've got total if you had to guess uh maybe 40 hours dang I think I don't know I lost oh track God. a while ago <laughs> that's a lot of that's a lot of tunnel flying yeah um Good, good, good God, woman. All right. Uh, so you've done a ton of ton of flying, right? So how did it help you in relation to skill building for these kinds of camps? Yeah. So, I mean, the nice thing about the tunnel is it's such an amazing tool that we have now to slow down a skydive and really work on your, your body flying, you know, work on the free fall portion mm-hmm. and not have to worry about altitude, not have to worry about, you know, your rig, your gear, you know, exiting the airplane it's solely how you're flying your body and that is one of the reasons I was able to get to the level I got to as quickly as I did because essentially going into 2019 to put in a to put in perspective I had 75 skydives I had done three attempted sit fly jumps and (laughs) yeah that was about it I had no tunnel time (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yep. And um and then the tunnel opened in Minneapolis in January or December 2018 and I started going January 2019 and just was like this is awesome first time to tunnel hit it super hard then the season came and just you know my skills I I really focused on every single jump every time I go in the tunnel everything I'm doing majority of the time what am I working on how am I getting better yeah. how am I excelling my mm-hmm. skills and so the tunnel was a huge tool and a huge reason why my progress sort of was exponential. Skyrocketed. Skyrocketed. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, but I, I took everything I was doing really seriously. I was in training, mm-hmm. you know, I accepted that this is what I'm doing. I set a goal and mm-hmm. I just was like, I'm not going to apologize for wanting to try and get as good as I can and use every opportunity I have to do that. And, you know, now I have an invite to the women's vertical world record. And I'm like, you know, it's pretty awesome that I'm going to be going out to Arizona next week and doing that. And like, if it weren't for the the tunnel and going there, you know, twice a week when I first started and getting coping, Mm -hmm. and then we were doing two-way VFS competitions every night, and then we were doing huck jams. And then, you know, when we got, when we all got head down, we were doing scrambles of four-way as often as we could trying to get those mm-hmm. skills. And four-way VFS in the tunnel is really one of the, one of the disciplines that has made me a strong flyer with big ways because you're constantly fighting through leg traffic and burbles. And we have a 12 foot tunnel, so we have even less space. And so it's, and we have like, you know, dirty air in our tunnel because of the design of it. And, but I love that because it's made me even stronger of a head down mm-hmm. fire of being able to, okay, I refuse to be corked. And yeah. that was another mental thing that I'm like, I refuse to be corked. And so I've been on skydives and I've been on in the tunnel and I've had some really funky things happen. And people are like, I can't believe you flew through that. And I'm like, well, yeah, I refuse to be corked. I through <laughs> it, you know? <laughs> and Come then, at me. Yeah, yeah. And then when you do it, you get even more confident because you're like, I can't believe I flew through that. <laughs> Mm -hmm. but yeah the tunnel I will always talk very highly of because I would not be the flyer I am today if it if it weren't Mm -hmm. for that yeah you talked about um how flying four-way VFS like you're pushing each other around you're flying through dirty air like I don't think people realize how much big ways move like move a lot and half the time the base is slightly rotating not only that but like you're rotating you're moving around side to side but you're also there's like a wave that sometimes goes through it, you know, like being able to outfly that weird funky air and like all the people around you, like the tunnel definitely helps you become a rock solid flyer in that sense, you know, mm-hmm. like being able to fly through absolute shit air, mm-hmm. um, you know, like how to compensate sure. really fast on the fly. It teaches you a lot of skills that you, um, you start to develop as like, um, they start to manifest, uh, themselves as just like 
secondary thoughts. You know, you're not, it's not like on the, on the forefront, it becomes second nature for you to just do these things, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's because of the tunnel. It's because you can fly consistently in a short burst of time. You build those skills a lot faster. Like if you ever have a goal of doing like big way, big way jumps, like invest in some tunnel time, right? Yep. A hundred percent. Yeah. It it will only benefit you in that, in that, uh, in that sense. Mm Mm-hmm. Moving on, right? Um, so I know you got to run. We're gonna we're gonna finish this up with like a fun little game. Okay. Okay. Um, this is called Woofo Corner. Okay. This is the Woofo. This is Fall Risks Woofo Corner. Okay. Mm-hmm. What you're gonna do is you're gonna answer a few questions that have been submitted by Woofos. Okay. Okay. Um, you're gonna do your best to try and answer them. Okay. Uh, if you uh... accurately or sarcastically, whatever doesn't matter. <laughs> you, you do whatever you want to do. Um, try and give like a condensed version of it. Cause I know you're running out of time. Um, but, but yeah, give it, give it your best shot. Okay. okay. Uh, first one, what's going through a cloud feel like? Feels like floating on <laughs> air and I'm in heaven. <laughs> and like, I've, I've gone into this, this new space that I didn't know, know existed. And I'm free. <laughs> I'm finally free. <laughs> Your sarcasm is real funny. <laughs> the look on your face is great too. Um, no, for real. What does it feel like? It's wet, right? It's super wet. I mean, if it's a rain cloud, it hurts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A little, like needles of rain fun. if you're wearing a t-shirt right. or something. That's right. happened and not been fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's wet. Sometimes it's wet. Right. Sometimes it's. Sometimes you see like your shadow if you're under canopy and you're going through. Yeah, sometimes it's a temperature difference too. Yeah. You know, like you feel a really stark temperature difference. Yeah. It, it doesn't really feel like anything. It's more of like the air around you shifts, right. you know. Right. It's like, I always tell people like tandems. I'm always like, yeah, it's got like the consistency of cotton candy, like not the taste, the texture. And they're like, really? I'm like, yeah. If we fly through one, just like grab a handful and put it in your mouth. And then I had actually someone do it. And I was like, I died in free fall. I was like, oh my God, she that did it. That is the like- best thing ever. <laughs> That's great. Shout out to that tandem. It was fantastic. Um, all right. Next question. Have you ever been hit by a bird in free fall? No, I have not. Thankfully. Have you ever seen a bird under canopy? I have, but not close to me. I know some people have flocked with some eagles and some really cool stuff, but I haven't personally had that experience yet. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty unlikely that you're going to hit a bird in free fall. Right. I don't know if I've ever heard about that. I don't think so either. Ever. <laughs> All right. Um, last question. Last question. Can you skydive in the dark? Yes, you can. Have you ever Have you ever jumped in the dark? I have when the sun is still up, but <laughs> she did the air quotations. <laughs> <laughs> um, ah. I still have night jumps on my list of things to do. I just haven't had the right timing with when they're being put on at different drop zones. And then it's just, it hasn't worked out scheduling wise, but it probably yeah. this year I could see in the next year, I'll, I'll get my night jumps. Mm-hmm. My night jumps going. Yeah. They used to be a requirement actually for your D license. I don't think they're a requirement anymore. They aren't. You have to have two of like five or six things to get your yeah. D. I don't actually have my D. I still have my C. Well, chop, chop, girlfriend. I know. I've been getting crap about it recently that I need to, yeah. I need to just finish that. <laughs> Night jumps are super funky. Um, I did mine really early way or early on mm-hmm. way back in the day. Um, and they were in October too. I did mine back to back. I did them in the same Um, we did two of them back to back. Yeah, it was so cold. It was super chilly. I don't advise. Don't do it. Don't do it in October. (laughs) Like just suck it up and wait for the next year. Don't do it. Um, now night jumps, like my first one was super cool. It was like, wow, this is surreal. You know, like it was over Baldwin. So it was, uh, you could see main street. It was all lit up. Like you could see the hangar. The hangar was super lit up. It was like, you know, you could, you could tell where everything was. Um, the second one, though, was super sketch. I went out and did uh, a four-way with, like, Don Branham and Marcus Burnham. And I think it was Troy Johnson. I'm not sure on that one. Like, that that might be somebody. It might have been somebody else on that. But um, I sunk out on it, which is super funny because if you know those guys, like, they're big guys. Yeah. Like, they are they are not small men, you know. And, and I sunk out on it. And I remember just seeing their shadows above me and being like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Like, I'm looking at my altimeter, my analog altimeter. I can barely see in the in – the, you know, with the glow, like the backlit yeah. glow on it. 
And I'm like, just waiting, waiting for the right time. And I'm like, I hope when I track away, no one's above me. <laughs> like, ah. Um, yeah. So like, that was fun. That was a fun first uh, night jump experience. And I think I've done a handful of them since then. Um, I did like the Menominee jumps where we went, went over to see the fireworks over 4th of July. I think I've done a handful of them back at Baldwin too as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. My, my personal opinion on him is like, do what was required of you back in the day, you know, right. maybe don't do it anymore. <laughs> right. I've heard that from a lot of people and I'm like, yeah, I kind of, I vibe with that. <laughs> yeah. Like do, do a couple just to say you did it. Right. Yeah. And then be like, all right, done now. Exactly. <laughs> don't need to do that again. Exactly. All right. So we've only got a couple minutes left. Um, do you want to say anything else left to, to anybody else on the air or you want to shout out or add anything? Shout out to my mom. Cause hi mom. I love you. And I'm <laughs> Sorry, I keep skydiving even though you want me to quit. <laughs> she's really good at it. Don't make her quit. Like this is she's natural at this. Don't make her quit. She's a she is a great addition to to the skydiving world. Please don't make her quit, mom. Oh, please. Thanks, Sam. Please, 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 That's please. sweet. <laughs> yeah. Uh awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jen. I really appreciate you being on the podcast. Um for engaging in my weirdo little little project that I've just decided to do on a whim. Like, thank you so much. Appreciate you. Love you very much. Love you too. Thanks for having me <laughs> and super stoked to see see where it goes. Yeah, me too. We'll <laughs> see. We'll see. It might not turn into anything. Maybe it'll turn into something really cool. Um, all right. Well, that's it for this episode of Fall, uh, Fall Risk. Thank you so much for listening. Um, we will see you next time. Talk about anything and everything skydiving. Blue skies, guys. Blue skies. Blue skies.